Good morning. My name is Tyler Reimchisel. I am one of the elders here at Strong Tower. And I think there were a couple of you who were visitors today. If you looked at our website, you'll notice that I do not resemble Pastor Chris in any way. Um, but more importantly, uh, as our senior pastor, he is truly an awesome speaker and an awesome leader of this church. So you have to promise me that you will come back at least one more time to hear him. And if you promise me that, then I won't feel so self-conscious that I'm the one who's giving the message today. Um, Pastor Chris happens to be away. He was asked to do a renewal of uh, a professor of his wedding vows. So a professor is renewing the wedding vows, so he's actually out of town. And I think he's also going to be giving um, a message at his father-in-law's church. So um, before we start, I'd like to pray for this message and for Pastor Chris. Heavenly Father, thank you for this privilege to be part of this church and for uh, the opportunity to bring the message today. I just pray that your spirit would be here, that you would lead the souls of everyone here, and that you would use uh, these uh, meek and infallible words um, to further your gospel and further your message. I pray for our pastors, that we would help them um, to be great leaders. I pray that you would uh, protect them as they travel and bring them back safely. It's in our Savior's name we pray. Amen. So a few weeks ago, I got a message, my voicemail from Pastor Chris. He asked me if I would give a message on serving children. And I, I missed that first phrase. He went on to talk about the idea, you know, last week, if you were here, that we uh, called out, put out a call for children's ministry and service. Um, and so he was talking about this. And he said, so, you know, you only need to take about 20 or 30 minutes or so. I'm like, wait, rewind that again. I thought he wanted me to give me an announcement about children's ministry, but no, he actually wanted me to spread the message about children's ministry. And so once I figured that out, I realized that um, he once wanted me to really talk about how important children are in my life. So as a father, I have five children and uh, yes, okay, that was not planned, okay, I'm not... <laughs> Um, I also work as a pediatrician at the Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt, and so every day I spend my life dedicated to children. So some of you know about that passion. Um, they know, you know how wonderful it is to serve children. Um, this message is for everyone else. Um, those of you who know what that passion is like don't really need this message, um, and I really want to reach out to those of you who haven't had that experience yet to share what um, riches and blessings can come from that. So um, there are a lot of opportunities in our church right now to be involved in ministry to children. And I'm wondering if you all could help me list those. Because at heart, I'm really a teacher and not a pastor. And so I feel like I need to ask you questions. I'm not going to call on you. But maybe somebody from this section, can you name one opportunity there is in Strong Tower right now to serve, and to serve children? Don't, don't worry, I'm coming to the rest of you, so start thinking. Say it louder. Youth leaders, right. So C3, there's an opportunity in C3 for middle school and high schoolers to serve and to be involved in children at that age. You can be mentors, you can teach. There's a lot of different opportunities. Okay, what else? This section. Nursery, right. Lots of opportunities for those who still have diapers to change and the toddlers who are learning how to walk. Good. Another age group. 
Good. So the Sunday morning CE hour is from 9 to 10, 15 or so, I think, where we're going to have Christian education classes like Financial Peace. There's an opportunity there to serve those children whose parents are in those classes. Snacks. Great. I'm signing up for snacks. What you may not know if you haven't done it yet is when you volunteer to teach, you get snacks that the kids don't even get. You feel like you're, you know, like somebody VIP. It's pretty cool. Okay, what else? Yes. Okay, the balcony. Yes, what else? Special needs. We have a class for individuals with special needs, like children with autism or related conditions. Good. Anybody over here? So turns out that we now have the opportunity to serve in J.T. Moore's uh, middle school, right? And I just want to point out I'm thankful that Dr. Hughes could be back again and Robin Allen is his assistant. So thank you very much. If you guys could just raise your hands today. <clears throat> so thank you very much for being here. We have the privilege as a church to reach out to those individuals at that school, right? There also are a lot of parents here who are raising children at different ages. And I know as a parent that we welcome the input and the advice and the mentorship of older parents who've walked down that path before us, right? So maybe you don't really feel a call to be in a classroom, but you feel like you could help parents. Um, what else? There's also a clothes closet and other opportunities we will use to minister to individuals, including children who need clothes, who need supplies, who need food, right? Lots and lots of different opportunities. I also want to share with you a praise. Uh, Pastor Chris put out the call very directly uh, last week that we wanted people to serve in children's ministry. And after service, I got a text from Ebony that 20 people volunteered after the service to volunteer. That deserves an applause, I think. So we want to thank you for that. There may still be some of you here who feel like this is not for you. There may be some of you who have volunteered because you listened to the Spirit, but you still have some misgivings and some apprehensions. And one of those misgivings may be that you feel like you don't have a spiritual gift for children, to minister to children. And so I think that one of the first passages that I'd like to read is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, and we're going to read just a few verses of that chapter where it talks about spiritual gifts. Um, I want to apologize ahead of time. I've been asked by several people. I do not have PowerPoint slides today, nor do I have a laser pointer. That was the last message. So, um, But verse 7 of chapter 12 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That's in verse 7. And if you skip to verse 11 of chapter 12, it says, All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So the first thing I take from that is every single Christian in this room has at least one spiritual gift. So I would just start the first point is you have a spiritual gift, and you need to be using it. We'll come back to that in a minute. So he then moves on in that chapter and puts it in the context of the body of Christ. Where are you going to use your spiritual gift? And it is in the body of Christ. You remember this passage? He talks about ears and eyes and hands and feet. He talks about the humerus and the femur and the latissimus dorsi. And the, okay, he doesn't really tell you those words, but it's the body of Christ, right? It's the different parts of the body. We all have different 
missions. We all have different talents. We are supposed to use those for the greater good of the mission. And it is in the context of us right here in the body of Christ, the local church. So you should be using your talent in service in this church. And we already said that at this lifetime in our church, there are lots of opportunities for us to be serving children. In other churches, it may be to serve the homeless. It may be to serve those who are poor. But right now in the life of this church, we are being blessed with opportunities to serve children. And if you feel like you're not using your spiritual gift, I would encourage you to step into that activity and use it in that setting. And the reason I say that has to do with what he writes further in verse 27. So this is still in the same chapter, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And then verse 28 is where he lists the different spiritual gifts. And in the church of God, I'm sorry, and in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Verse 28.2, those who lead worship, those who serve in the hospitality community, those who usher. Verse 28.3, those who lead a youth ministry, those who lead a children's ministry, those who organize men's groups, those who organize women's groups. You don't have that in your Bible, right? Don't confuse the activity of a church with a spiritual gift. Don't confuse the projects with a spiritual gift. Each of those projects, leading worship service, being on the welcoming committee, being involved in children's ministry, tutoring or mentoring people at JT Moore, each of those projects are ways that we can manifest our spiritual gift. And we need the manifestation of many spiritual gifts in that project. You may not be a teacher, but we could still use you if you have the gift of speaking wisdom or speaking knowledge. Earlier in the chapter, he talks about those gifts. Maybe you are a person who can give encouragement. Maybe you can help others. All of those gifts can be manifested within a group project or activity within a church. So don't look at children's ministry or serving children merely as teaching. There are so many gifts, and we will not succeed without the input of all of those gifts. So you may not feel like you are called to teach children, but the successful ministering in our Christian service to children requires the gifts from a variety of different areas. I think that sometimes when people say that they don't have the spiritual gift to minister to children, what's really happening is that they're idle. They're not doing anything to activate their spiritual gifts. That may be because you don't know what your spiritual gift is. It may be because you simply are comfortable. And so I wanna challenge you that we need you. We need the input of your spiritual gift within the ministries that we have been blessed with. We cannot do it without you. If you're not sure what your gift is, you can take a quiz online, but I would encourage you to just get involved to just step forward and say, I don't know. Because we're not asking you to be the leader of the class. We're not asking you to lead the project. We're just asking you to come alongside and be a support. I am confident that God will teach you something about yourself. He will grow you in ways that you will be surprised about. 
you will find out that you had an unnurtured, unfostered gift that you never realized. And if you wait for God to show you that, I think you have it backwards. Get involved and let him show you in the act of doing what your spiritual gift is. So the take-home point of this message is that, of this section of the message, is that we need people with all different talents to work um, in, in the children's ministry and the variety of different things that we're doing. Pastor Chris pointed out last week that we are going to ask all parents of children in children's ministry to serve in the helping hands. And that's a good example of what I said earlier, where you're going to come alongside and help the teacher. There's no preparation. You don't have to study ahead of time, right? You just have to come to the class and help out. And so you are going to have that opportunity, and it may make, make you feel a little anxious. What I want to point out, um, and I believe that Pastor Chris mentioned this last week, but I want to reiterate this. The new curriculum for children's ministry specifically is an example of what is called in education a flipped classroom. You have the opportunity as a parent to introduce the lesson to to introduce the lesson to the children the week before, and it's only going to be reinforced in the classroom. So you will be able to see, if you are in helping hands, how that gets activated in the classroom because you've introduced it to your children ahead of time, and then you get to see it, right? So I think it's going to be a lot more dynamic because we're going to involve parents ahead of time. This is not something where you're just going to drop your child off and uh, not be engaged in what they're learning. We are going to depend upon you to introduce that lesson to the child at home before they even come here. It's okay if you have visitors that come. It's not like they're going to be a quiz at the beginning, obviously. Um, but the point is that we really want this to invade the rest of your life and to not really think that what happens over in that hallway there is separate from what's going on in, the, in your day-to-day -day life the other six days of the week. But you still may have some misgivings. You may still have some concerns, and so I want to address those. You may not feel a call to serve children um, for a variety of reasons. And I came up with two in addition to the feeling like it's not your spiritual calling. One of them could be an issue of humility. And the other one could be an issue of feeling that you are not confident and that you're not capable. So um, I was in Starbucks last weekend. Um, I was actually in the bookstore where there is a Starbucks. Um, and the person who was selling the coffee was saying to one of the customers, they were debating, is Star Wars or Star Trek better? <laughs> okay, that wasn't a question. <laughs> Calm down, Christy. <laughs> okay, we're not going to resolve that here, okay? Um, but... They were debating this, and I can't remember which side he was on, probably the wrong side. He was probably saying Star Wars, Star Trek. So, yeah. And he said, and she said in response to him, yeah, but kids really like Star Wars, and I think he was for Star Trek. And he's like, kids? I mean, do we really count them as people? <laughs> and I was like, ugh. Oh. So there is a bias, a prejudice against children in our society, Right? I mean, I see this as a pediatrician where most of physicians don't really view us as real doctors because we take care of children, right? For those of us who are fulfilled by that and know we're doing God's calling, we don't need the support of man, right? But I think you all see it as teachers, right? You can see it in how we pay teachers, 
how we view teachers in society, right? There is a prejudice against children. And that's why we are supposed to serve them. That is what the church does. It reaches out to people who are victims of prejudice in any way and serves them, right? So when Pastor Chris left a message about my giving this message, the first uh, story that came to my mind is the one where they bring children to Jesus and he says, let them come to me, right? So I'm going to read that. This is now in Matthew 19. So if you want to turn to Matthew 19. Verse 13, it says, Then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he placed his hands on them, he went on from there. I'm like, well, what exactly does it mean that kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these? What is it about children that he wants us to emulate. This is all I'm going to get. This is all Jesus is going to give us. Mm -mm. It's not all he gave us. The disciples forgot, and I forgot. I'm no better than they are. One chapter earlier, he told them what he meant by that. And they still didn't follow through. So now, go back one chapter. Matthew 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Right? They'd been discussing this. Who is the greatest? We want to really not just get into heaven, but really get into heaven, right? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this... Like this in my name, I will welcome him. I was pretty sure there wouldn't be quite as many tears as the last time I was up here. Uh, So he wants them to change. I think that's the first thing I would challenge you to. I don't know if this is appropriate for any of you, but he says very clearly in verse 13, unless you change... You're worried about who's going to be the greatest. Right now, you may not even get in because your pride is standing in the way. You are not depending on me. You are depending on your own works, right? When some of you heard that the message was about children, seriously? Certainly, there's more important things to talk about. My kids kept asking me, you're going to spend the entire time talking about serving children? Right? There's this concept about, are they, what, what's, what's the value here? Right? But you need to humble yourself like a child. Children are dependent. They are not sinless. Any of you who are parents know they are not sinless. Right? There is pride deep in our genetic code, as far as I can tell. They are not sinless, but they are dependent. They are needy. They are interdependent, just like we as a body need to be. And when you spend time with children in there, you get to realize that you see a lot of yourself in them, right? So not only does it take humility to take care of a child, given what our culture says about children, but you also learn about humility and what it means to be dependent. 
After all, God has spent his entire time while we have been in existence taking care of children. If it's good enough for him, it's probably good enough for us. So I would just challenge you that you should humble yourself if you feel like this is beneath you to serve children, changing diapers, taking out the trash, vacuuming the carpeting in the Sunday schools, right? That's an opportunity to be humbled and to recognize our appropriate place at the foot of the cross. It is true that children can indeed humble you. So uh, I was in the elevator one day, riding up to my office, and a child got in the elevator, and he looked at me. This is how I dress at work. And he looked at his mother, and he said, Mom, does he do tricks? I... <laughs> no, I do not do tricks. I think he really thought I should be able to do that. No. <laughs> I am not a magician. Uh... All my years of training, and that's what it comes down to. <laughs> you may be in Sunday school. Um, there was a teacher recently who gave the lesson, and at the end of the lesson, one of the students raised her hand and said, Are you done now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you want me to be done? The teacher said, she said. So um, what does that humility look like when it's played out, right? So I brought my doctor's bag. We still have these things, believe it or not. At least I do. So after all my, you know, going to med school, I have one of these, right? That you don't need to or something else. I have one of these in the doctor's bag, right? But I walk in a room, and usually the patient doesn't say, oh, there's the doctor. I'm going to sit up straight and behave myself, right? They're scared. They're nervous. They don't care how important we are, which is why pediatricians, generally speaking, have a little bit less of an attitude because our patients aren't really that impressed, right? (laughs) So... What do we have? We have this, right? And uh, sometimes I'll be sitting there, and it's usually a toddler or a three-year-old, and they're very nervous, and so I have this in my pocket, and I start bouncing. And then the child's like, no, this is my ball. You sit there in your mom's lap. So sure enough, they come down. Thank you. They... uh, they will shortly thereafter get off the mom's lap, right? And they'll want to play with the ball, right? And my favorite of all, if I can find it. Let's see here. I know the anticipation is killing you. Is this. It lights up. Oh. <laughs> I can do all kinds of neurologic things here with this fun. And sometimes I get down on the ground, right, and I'm playing with them because I want to see their motor skills, right? And so after four years of college and four years of medical school and eight years of residency and $90,000 of debt, not that I'm whining, (laughs) this is what I'm doing. It's a lot of fun, right? 
um, whatever it takes to get the child to open up, to feel like uh, we're going to get at their level, so I can really do a good assessment. Um, now, the parents are usually like, not what I expected, right, from a doctor. But over time, they understand why I'm doing it. And so you'll have the opportunity to do that as well when you're reaching out to children. Um, so don't take yourself too seriously. But I think that some of you may feel like you don't want to reach out and serve children because it isn't that you, it's not your spiritual gift. It isn't that you're proud. It's the complete opposite. It's afraid, your fear of failing, right? They are so important, and I have so much opportunity. I don't want to fail, right? And so um, I just want to point out, my wife, Teresa, says that it takes a lot of confidence to engage with the child because you never know what's going to happen, right? You're like, hi, how are you? <laughs> it's so embarrassing as a parent. You're like, please say hi to this person. They're like, <laughs> and you can't do anything. I mean, like, there's really nothing. The, the more you yell, the worse it gets, right? So... Um, what I wouldn't say there is just a sense of encouragement. At that point, when you're scared, feeling inadequate, and worried, you're dependent. You're just like a child. You have been humbled, and you are right where God wants you to be. So praise God. When you're in that situation where you just don't know if a Helping Hands volunteer, if you're going to be able to respond, your parenting will kick in, and you just... Do it. God will be there. We said, all hail the power of Jesus' name. If you can sing it here, my challenge is to let it be practiced over there in that hallway or at J.T. Moore. Right? There is power, but you're not going to see it manifested out of your strength and where you're confident. You're going to see it manifested out of your weakness when you're in a situation that is, you're up against the end of your rope and you don't know what else to do. And if you don't have situations like that in your life, I would encourage you to get in those situations. There's lots of opportunities to work with children where you will see that and you will see God manifested and you will be encouraged. Not because God has given you the power, but because you have seen his power work through you. It's an awesome experience. The Bible is full of examples where God put people specifically in a situation where they could become hopeless and fearful and discouraged, or they could turn their eyes to him and watch him be manifest. Moses, Mary, 14, 15-year-old girl, right? Paul, even our Savior, please take this away from me. This is more than I can handle. So we have the opportunity to be in that situation as well and to be dependent. I would also say don't take, your tel- don't take yourself too seriously in this situation. We're not asking you to, to like create a whole curriculum and do a whole project. We're just asking you to come alongside and to help, right? Proverbs 16, 3 and 4 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. The Lord works out everything for his own end. We are asking you to give 100%, but I think in the spiritual arithmetic of how God works, our 100% is probably worth about 0.1% of the success of anything we do as a body of believers. Definitely no more than that, right? So don't take yourself too seriously. God will be there to help. 
Okay, so let's talk about, as we close, the fruit of serving. What is it going to look like? What are you going to experience when you have the opportunity to work at J.T. Moore or in the clothes closet or in this hallway or as a mentor to a family? What is it going to look like? What are you going to experience when you are in that situation? I ask you, what's the blessings you're going to experience? You're going to have personal joy. What else? What else are you going to see? Growth as an individual, right? You will grow maybe talents that you didn't know you had, spiritual gifts you didn't know you had, you'll see. Who else are you going to see have growth? The children are going to grow, right? You're going to have impact. I want to share a story with you as a research study that was done to show how much impact you as a teacher or somebody involved in a child's life can have. This is a study that was done several years ago by uh, Dr. Rosenthal, who Rosenthal, who is at Harvard, and, and uh, Mr. Jacobson, who is a uh, high school superintendent, uh, I'm sorry, uh, not a high school superintendent, a superintendent um, in San Francisco schools. They picked um, 18 classrooms in San Francisco from kindergarten through the fifth grade, and all the children took a Harvard cognitive test. Doesn't that sound important? It tests verbal and reasoning skills. We know those are skills that are important for critical problem solving. They took a test, and they took the top 20%, and they said, you are going to be bloomers. And they didn't tell the students, but they told the teachers. You have these two or three students, and they are bloomers. Based on that test, they scored really well. A year later, they tested them. And of those bloomers, they did about 12% improved their points by 12% compared to the other 80% of the children who only improved by eight points. Two years later, different teachers studied by people who didn't even know about the study, let alone who were bloomers and who were not bloomers, those gains were sustained. That's pretty impressive. That's an amazing test to be able to predict children by one test who are going to do so much better, right? Wrong. They randomized the children. They just picked the children at random and told the teachers, this child has potential. This is a special child. And they didn't tell the children that. It was sustained for two years. We have the power to impact individual children's lives by treating them like they have potential. They see, the children in our society see... They see that they're told time and time again, you're not beautiful enough, you're not smart enough, you're not athletic enough, right? You'll never amount to anything. You have the opportunity to treat them like they have potential and they will respond to you. There are many other blessings that you can get from this. The ends don't justify the means in my mind, but I do want to point out that you will see so many benefits from doing this work. Not only will you grow, you'll see them grow. You have the potential to watch them grow if you treat them like they have potential. And in God's eyes, we all have potential. You will be involved in people's lives. You'll be able to start praying for children like you've never prayed before. You'll feel a special connection to children that you have not felt before. You will be part of a community of people that you didn't know before, right? It's an accountability. If you don't show up for helping hands, there will be people asking, are you okay? Not as a checklist to say you didn't fulfill, but is something wrong with you? There's some accountability. There's so many secondary benefits by doing this. 
So in conclusion, I just want to remind you that we spoke about all of the opportunities at this time in the life of our church we have to reach out and serve children. It's an opportunity for you to learn humility, for you to learn that you won't be able to do it on your own, for you to learn that God can be manifested in your weakness, and for you to learn that there may be spiritual gifts you haven't even discovered yet in yourself because God wants to foster them. If you are in those situations where you need God, you are right where he wants you, and you simply pray. So I want to close with a story about what happened to me last week while I was mowing the lawn. And uh, before I do that, I just want to say, I think a lot of what I said, I was going to say this beginning, I forgot, a lot of what I said today does not just apply to serving children. It applies to our walk as Christians, right? Um, And so you may be serving in another capacity, and you are right where God wants you, and you feel comfortable with that, and I'm sure you are. But I hope that what was said today, at least part of it, can apply to your ministry or your service in that area. It's not specific to children. But last week I was mowing the lawn, um, and uh, I like mowing the lawn because I get to just focus on a straight line and coming back, you know. So I'm mowing, I'm almost done, and the left front wheel broke, fell off. And I had like 15 more minutes of mowing to do, probably. So I put the mower back. I'm like, whoa. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder if God's trying to tell me something, preparing for this. I'm going to finish mowing with three wheels. (laughs) Come on, I'm a better mower than that. I'm all, like, nervous. Okay, so I think, you know, it's kind of like limping along, right? And so I finish. And, uh, I mean, I start, and it's going pretty well. And you kind of have to lean on the right side over here, right? You're kind of pushing it a little bit further. And turns are a little tricky, you're turning a little bit more, and you're going down. And I was doing pretty well. It was pretty straight. It was okay. It's in the back, so nobody could really see it. Right? It was only my pride that was probably me. And uh, I'm going along, and I, I kind of lost track of this, and I was, my mind was daydreaming. All of a sudden, I hit a bump, clunk, and the, the blade tore into the grass. Ugh. It is just grass. Don't overstate this, okay? I know it's a silly analogy, but go with it for a moment here. And it completely tore up that part of the grass. And uh, so I finished the yard, but I was committed to getting a fourth wheel of that mower. Right now, we are doing a really good job in many of our church ministries running on three wheels. You may be that fourth wheel. We're not asking you to be the engine. We're not asking you to steer. We're just asking you to come along and support. We're doing pretty well. Thank you. But if there's ever any stress, if there's ever a bump in the road, somebody gets sick, if there's any personal problems that somebody has, if there's a challenge where a child who's in 10th grade says, I'm thinking about hurting myself, right? That puts an undue stress on the teachers in that class, and they need help. They need prayer support. You can get by on three wheels, but it's a whole lot better if there's a fourth wheel. And I would just encourage you to be part of that wheel and experience the joy of being in this ministry. So um, I think that's all I have to say. Thank you very much.